Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you for life. For life. We take things for granted. For life. That we wake up in the morning. We give you praise. We give you praise. That we can walk on ourselves without aid. Father, to you be all the glory. That we can eat. That we can go around. Lord, we take these things for granted. Because we have not lost any of these privileges. We take you for granted. We need to worship you every day. Be grateful to you every day. For we do not pay anything for these things. That we shall know Jesus and escape hell. It's a marvelous blessing. Even to come to church is blessing. Thank you for it. We trust you this hour that, Lord, you will speak to us. And that we will also know the value of your word. Like you were telling us on Thursday that we can't worship you if we don't know your value. Then we can't give you honor due you. We can't listen to your word unless we know the value of your word. Trust this morning, Lord, that will help us to honor your word so that it will bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. And this morning we're talking about things that spoil the vine. Things that spoil the vine. But I want to start by where we stopped on Sunday. Uh, no, yeah, on Sunday, sure. <clears throat> when snow didn't let anybody do anything. We concluded last Sunday talking about the need to meditate on the Word of God. And I'm grateful to God for uh, some of the testimonies I've had about people telling me how they have started to do that and how it brought dramatic change to their lives and brought miracles to their lives. But I'm just praying that those who haven't started should go listen and start walking in the light of the Word of God. So we're talking about the need to meditate on the Word of God, the fulfilled promises of God, and the need to guard our hearts and be careful what we hear. Now, let me say that to win the battle of faith, every promise of God, you fight over it. None of them is going to fall on your laps. If you think it's coming in your laps, you have another thing coming. No. I said it on Thursday. Even if by the gift of the Holy Spirit you get healing, you got to develop your faith because the devil is coming to fight you back. About that time, you're on your own. He will try to bring those things back. So we need to learn how to stand and fight. The Bible says, fight the good fight of what? Faith. Fight. If Israel, God called Israel my first son, if you read the Bible. He called Israel my first son. He said, Israel my first son. He said, he said to Pharaoh, if you kill my first son, I kill your first son. So why was Israel God's first son? Because God was using them as a natural example of what the true sons will be like. We are now the spiritual sons born of the spirit. But you realize that the God's first sons, they fought for every land that God what? Gave them. None, just, none. There was none they didn't fight for. So we need to learn to fight. It's a fight of faith. What did I call it? Fight of faith. Got to learn to fight. And if you miss it in your heart, you miss it in your life. For out of your heart comes all the issues of what? Of your own life. It's not coming from, your own issues is not coming from my heart. It's coming from your heart. So we need to learn to fight the fight of faith. If you lose the fight of meditation, you lose the battle of life. You lose it seriously. Because what you meditate upon is what produces in your life. So let me read some of the scriptures that will remind us of this very important thing. 
where we started. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked. I'm reading TPT. For what you plant, not what I plant, what you plant in your heart, what you let anybody sow in your heart, what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. So you can't blame anybody else. It's what you allow. All things ever you allow, it's allowed for you. But the word of God said, guard your heart, fight for it. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self, life, carnal life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. But if you plant the good seeds of the spirit life, the word of God, you will reap the beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. You reap the beautiful fruit that grow out of your new life in Christ. And don't allow yourself to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. Don't get tired of meditating on the word. So I've heard it before. Yes, hear it again. For the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. Can I hear amen? It's coming. Keep sowing. Keep what you say. I didn't see it. Keep. I've I've meditated on the, some scriptures for years before the thing broke through. But when it broke through, it solved the major problem in my life. Do you know that our greatest pulpit is not this one? Everybody has a pulpit. Everybody. Our greatest pulpit is the life we live, and everybody knows us. As a saying, they say you can't hide. There's no hiding place. They may not tell you, but people know you. Our greatest testimony, our, you know, Jesus said we should be my witness. Our greatest witness is our life. There is a Chinese saying, it says that uh, what you are will not let us hear what you are saying. And the, the Englishman says, action speaks what? Rather than words. It's true. Absolutely true. Look at the, the scripture in uh, Romans 8 from verse 5. Those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things. The thing that produces in my life and your life is what you think upon. If you are dominated by a sinful nature, you say, Pastor, I can't stop this. Trying to stop that. And it dominates you. The Holy Spirit says it's what you think about. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit about, think about things that please the Spirit. The Word of God. The Word of faith. So letting your not sinful nature control your mind leads to death. It leads to losing your blessings. Because out of your mind comes everything you sow. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Letting the Word of God, the words I speak to you is Spirit. Letting it control your mind. Letting, L-E-T-T-I-N-G, is that you may not let it, and it's not nobody's fault. You may not let it. Proverbs 4, 23, be careful how you think. Why? Life is shaped by your, your life is shaped by your thoughts. That is good news translation. The good news Bible, good news translation. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Can we say it together? One, two, go. Let's say it louder. Come on. So when you say, oh, pastor, my own is anger. That one is not anger. It's what you think. It's what is in there that's producing that anger. It's what you, th- it's what you think. I was telling the woman yesterday, 
I said, life, the Bible, life, the Bible is awesome. It will communicate in such a way you've you got to understand it. When he was talking about lips, mouth, 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 he told us that our lips control our lives, not the stumps of life. So it's not the stumps that control where you go. He said it's like a ship that has a rudder that it passes through stumps on an aircraft that flies through storm. It's not the storm that controls the aircraft. It's the pilot in there that is using something to control the direction of the aircraft. So it's not your storm that pushes you around. It is what you have in your heart and talking that directs your life either to destruction or to life. It's not the storm. The, the pilot can slip off and the plane can get into a storm and crash. But as far as the pilot understands what he's doing, just the path, it will pass through storm safely. So it's not the storm. You can't say, oh, pastor, this is a lot that's happening to me. The Bible says, yeah, the ship passes through storms, but it's not the storm that directs where it's going. It's the mouth. It's what you say. It's what you think that directs where you're going. Sorry, I have a new iPad, so I'm learning to use it. On Thursday, before I came to preach, it wiped away my summer. Everything wiped out. But this young boy, to God be the glory, they ran up upstairs and restored my iPad. And I, I was teaching, you think I didn't make, I did. Don't tell anybody what I did. Praise, praise the Lord. <laughs> so we must understand the seriousness of what the Spirit is teaching us and how to keep your life in, 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 on course. When the storms of life are blowing, keep it on course. Keep it on course. Keep it on course. So that you arrive to the destination God has planned for you. Now, today I want to focus us on taking responsibilities to root out the things that affect us in life. To root out. To root out. Now, every Christian must understand that we are responsible for our lives. You know, we, we think somebody else is responsible. And that's why we blame people. That's why we keep blaming people. You know one of the reasons David succeeded? David understood responsibility. Every single time he did something, he never blamed anybody else. He would take responsibility and say, he said, I'm the one that did it. He would tell God, I did this. And that was a serious sign of humility. Take responsibility. Because we like to push it over on somebody so we look good. David never did that. He was never playing to the gallery so the person would say, David, how good you are. David, when he committed serious sin, he said, I'm the one. Nathan, I'm the one. He didn't say, you see that woman, if you didn't show up, I wouldn't have seen her. I said, no, I'm the one. When he counted Israel and God began to punish him, he said, Lord, I'm the one that did this thing. Taking responsibility is huge humility. It is serious wisdom that we start learning to take responsibility and start blaming people. You know, in this country where we live, one of the things they do, which I love, is that every single time they're having the, you know, misunderstanding things, they start thinking, is there anything that I should have done that I didn't do? So we need to start taking responsibility for our lives, seriously. And then in Genesis 2.15, and the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So the life God gave you, he wants you to dress it, he wants you to keep it. It's nobody's, there are primary responsibilities in life. This is one of them. Nobody will keep your garden, nobody will dress it. It's up to you. It's up to you to wake up and study. It's up to you to wake up and pray. It's up to you to meditate on the word of God. It's up to you to resist the devil. It's, it's totally up to you. It, there is nothing a pastor or anybody can do beyond what you choose to do yourself. 
Nobody can push you. Then it becomes possessing you. In the kingdom, there's no room for lording it over people. You can help people. You can teach people. I can only be taught by God. But what I do with that is entirely my responsibility. We must know this. In 2 Corinthians 1.24, not that we have dominion, I'm reading Amplified Version, not that we have dominion over you and lord it over your faith, but rather that we walk, but rather that we walk with you as fellow laborers to promote your joy, for in your faith, in your strong welcome conviction of belief that Jesus is the Messiah, through whom we obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God, you stand firm in your personal strong conviction which you chose. You stand firm. They said, we're not here to, we can't operate your faith for you. We're here just as co-laborers to encourage you. That's all. That's what the pastor does, is to teach you. Luke 15, verse 11. Luke 15, verse 11. So to illustrate this point, but just to illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want to share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. And now it's all his choice. Then in verse 14, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. 15, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. So the young man became so hungry that even the pots he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the higher servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as, on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. Now, he took personal responsibility for correcting his error. It was a job to do that. If he didn't take that responsibility and get up and say, this thing I did is wrong, this is what I need to do now, he would die of hunger right there. Why there was a lot in his father's house to feed him, to take care of him. He had to take, the father couldn't decide that for him. God will not decide anything for you or for me, no. We have to do that. We must understand that. There are cost corrections I need to do. There are cost corrections you need to do. I was asking, this thing came out of prayer. I was talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, this person has this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem. How do I pastor this thing? He said to me, the solution to everything is knowledge. He said, it's knowledge. He said, it's knowledge. He said, ask me to open their eyes. I will show them what to do, and they will recover. He said, it's knowledge. So it's part of this thing. He's showing me all these things that I'm preaching to you now. He said, there are people, things in people's life that is blocking them. But because they're ignorant, it will keep blocking them. There's nothing anybody can do about it. Until they take responsibility and destroy those things and turn around. Until the prodigal son took that responsibility to say, hey, there is something in my father's house that is mine. Why am I here? 
I have not positioned myself. I need to turn around. I need to take away this. I need to relocate myself. Until he did that, hunger was his portion. He was eating pots that pigs eat. While at the same time, there was a lot for him to eat. It wasn't his father's fault. It was his choice that put him there. And it will be his choice that will turn him around. So when he made that choice, decided, I'm done with this. I'm going to take out this one. He turned around, and immediately he began to come. The father ran out and embraced him. And instantly, his circumstance changed. There was no prayer needed. No prayer needed. Now, the scripture says to us that we need to pull away every tree that God didn't plant in our lives. That's instruction. It's not a joke. It's not to massage anybody. God means it when he says that. Why? Because those are the things that spoil the vine. It's my responsibility. It's your responsibility to do that. Matthew 15, 20, 13. Matthew 15, 13. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father had not planted shall be uprooted. All of them. Can I hear a big amen here? No, no, it's not enough. I want a bigger amen. I want you to agree with me. Say a bigger amen. It has to go. When you, have, when you plant in your garden, don't you go and weed off weeds? Because weeds, weeds take nutrients from your main plant and stops them from growing, chokes them from giving you the best harvest. You go and take them away. Matthew 13, 25. But while man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among weeds and went away. These are demonic things that Satan has sowed in our lives from youth, from childhood, even as adults. We had from television, we had from friends, we had from all manner of wrong doctrines, all manner of behaviors that Christians live with. Songs of Solomon 2.15. Catch us the foxes. He said, look, catch those foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine. It spoils your vine. For our vines have tender grapes. It spoils the vine. Hebrew 12.1. And for us, we have all of these great witnesses, yes, who encircle us like clouds, so we must, we must let go of every wound that has pierced us, and the sin we so easily fall into must let go. It's no option. Must let go. Then we will be able to run right life's marathon race with passion and determination, for the path has been already marked out for us. So that's when you can run this race efficiently. They block our blessings. It says, get rid of every arrow tip in you. The implication is carrying an arrow tip inside, a wound that weighs us down and keeps us from running our race with freedom. When you have pain in your body, you don't run well. When you have pain, when you have wound in your, in your soul, you don't run well. It's like pain. It's like serious spiritual pain. You don't run well. When you have sins that take you captive all the time, you open the door to the devil to block you, to hinder you, blind you. It's a serious, dangerous thing to do. I went, I went to Nigeria once, and I was, all of a sudden, I just remembered Osadebe. I don't even know where he came from. I said, Osadebe, ah, I said, Osadebe used to play all these philosophical songs when we were growing up. And then somebody said, ah, the man died, the son is also playing very well. I said, let me even hear the song. Listen to me. So as we were going to an, uh, uh, the, on it, uh, and we stopped somewhere, I, I bought the son's CD. 
just to hear all this philosophical or whatever something. And I carried it back here. I started playing it in my car. Listen to what happened to me. My intensity of prayer started dropping like this. Starting the Bible, started. I'm, I'm not kidding. Started going down like this. It became a struggle. And the Lord said to me, throw away those CDs. He said, every music is from his spirit. That is not from me. It became a little fox that started spoiling my vine. And the Lord said, and I took all of it and went to the dustbin. Pam. It wasn't long. Everything started. You know, sometimes you struggle with prayer. Struggle with studying the Bible. Struggle with, struggle with coming to church. Something is hindering you. Don't joke with it. It will kill your faith if you allow it. The devil is a wicked spirit totally determined to destroy you. There's no question of whether he wants. He does want it. So the Bible says, you see these things that give him loophole? Take throw them away. Second Corinthians 7 verse 1. Are you following me? If you are following me, say amen. Second Corinthians 7 verse 1. Beloved ones, with promises like these we have, and because of our deepest respect and worship of God. See, on Thursday I was saying, you can't worship God if you don't know him. Forget about the dance we do. We can't, you can't, you will not. You, no, no, you, ignorance and blindness will stop you. Even serving God, you can't serve God acceptably if you don't know him. But God said, my people are destroyed for, because of ignorance. They, everything they do, is, is, there's no faith in it because of ignorance. And here the scripture is saying, because of the God we know, because of his worthiness, because of his glory we have come to realize, we now develop a deep respect and worship of God begins right there. And part of the worship, if you read Romans chapter 12, verse 1, is to give your life as a sacrifice. He said, that's your spiritual worship, the main worship. Knowing God instantly makes you to surrender to him. There's no adoption. There's not, what else are you talking about? I'm standing here. It wasn't been long I lost a close cousin, a boy that believed in me, followed me to Foursquare, became a pastor, became a church planter, became a senior pastor, became a zonal superintendent, a manager in Shell. On Friday, the sister, junior sister died. On Saturday, he died. And they called me. So your son died. I just spoke with him a week before this thing, sir. And we we're talking about his ministry. Even my brother called me. He said, you know, Chukwode followed you. If we know him, life is nothing. It's nothing. You, you, you give me, there's, what options do you have if you really know him? If we don't know him, we think that service is appointment. Church appointed me to do this. No, no, service is not appointment. Service is worship. I'm a pastor. It's not appointment. It's a worship to him. It's a worship to him. Paul said, I know before whom I what? Stand. It's Elijah that said, I know before whom I stand. And Paul said, I know in whom I believe. I know who I'm standing before. I know his presence. I know his, his he, he got so, he got so fascinated by Jesus. He said, my life is now a, poured out as a drink offering. What else do I have in this world? He said, it's all I have. That's what worship is. Before you now begin to express it in your dancing and things, your heart has first gone up. Your spirit has first gone up. That's the worship that God was. Not the person that is rebellious and comes to dance before him. He said to Israel, who invited you to, to come and date in my compound? You bring me all this, your dance and things. He said, I'm not interested in that. He said, I told you, you are wicked. The poor you don't take care of. You don't do this. He said, when you remove all these things, your health will spring up. That's what he's telling us. We need to remove these things so that we get to where God wants us to be. Second Corinthians 7 says, 
beloved ones, with promises like these, because of our deepest respect and worship of God, because we know who he is, we've come to know him. The heathens don't know him. But how can I not also not know him? How can, how can I not even know the value of his word? How can? For years, we must remove everything from our lives that contaminate body and spirit and continue to com- complete the development of holiness within us. We must. Again, the word must. Why? Because we come to know who he is. I, I was telling the women yesterday, I said, the words we speak and the things we do, it's like poo, poo. It pollutes the man, pollutes the environment, and quenches the spirit. He does God. And God is standing there. I want to do this, but he won't let me. <laughs> Can I have uh, something? Praise the Lord. First Peter 3.10. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you. First Peter 3.10. For the scripture says, if you want to enjoy life, want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongues from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. It won't stop. Lies will never solve your problem. That's the thing about lies. You can lie and think you have escaped it, but the scripture says there is nothing hidden that will not be made what? Manifest. As I'm your pastor, there are things I know about you, you will never know I know. And I will tell you. You will never know. If they tell you this, it's not true. I know. I won't talk to you. I won't bother you. Lies does not solve problems. You, you, you might think that you are deceiving anybody. Go and see that. Do you know human beings? A human being can dictate when you are deceiving. His spirit will say, this is a lie. And what it does, it, it takes your integrity and shreds it to pieces. Your dignity just goes like that. Just, you, your dignity, all your beautiful person, the thing just broke out before the person's eyes. You know my son, Ugo, we never lie. Ugo, we tell you everything, whether he favors him or he doesn't uh, <laughs> He was brought up here. Hugo will come to me and say, Daddy, remember that thing I told you? He said, it was a lie. So I found out it's not correct. As the mother. He's so innocent. If you want to enjoy life and see happy things, keep your tongues from speaking evil, your lips from telling lies, turn away from evil, do good, search for peace. Work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil, Christian or not, do evil. So see the warning that Jesus gave us in Matthew chapter 18 from verse 7. It says, misery, I'm reading TPT, misery will come to the one who lures people away into sin. Troubles and obstacles to your faith are inevitable. Inevitable. So it will happen. But great devastation will come to the one Guilty of causing others to leave the path of righteousness. If your hand clings to sin, cut it off. Throw it away. If your foot continually steps into sin's path, cut it off. Throw it away. For it is better for you to enter into heaven crippled and maimed than to have both hands and feet and be thrown into eternal fire. Now this comes as I was listening to my, my pastor, the, the man that really pastored me. That God used to teach me what I know today. And in your life, you must have a pastor. If you don't have a pastor, you're very proud. And you'll be in trouble pretty soon. You must have a shepherd. And you must respect your shepherd. Because God put them there. You didn't put them there. It's important that you listen to your pastor. Very, very critical. I learned this thing early as a Christian. God taught it to me. My wife will tell you. We suffered for it. If you, you know, if you don't learn by wisdom, you learn by experience. I learned by experience. So this man preached along this line. 
and he resonated with my spirit. Remember the disciples of Jesus Christ. Remember what, that Jesus gave them power to cast out demons? So in Matthew chapter 1, chapter 10, verse 1, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits. Have you ever seen a, clean, a demon spirit that is a clean one? So all of them are what? The, the clean spirits. Because angels are clean spirits. These ones are unclean spirits. To cast them out and to heal all manner of sicknesses and all manner of disease. Verse 8, Matthew 10, 8. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils freely. You have received freely, give. That's what Jesus gave them. And then they started to do that. Boy, they were having a ball. They were succeeding. But something was brewing in them that would stop this thing. Look at Luke chapter 10, verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name, Lord, man. <laughs> and he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. This battle is not over. That's what is warning them. It's not over. Behold, I give unto he you. Said, he said, he said, behold, I give unto you power to now trade on serpents and scorpions, because this battle continues. It continues. And over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means what? Can we say that nothing shall by any means hurt me? <laughs> say it louder, come on. <laughs> so they were having success, and all of a sudden, failure hit them, hit them in public place, and brought great discouragement to them. We were doing this thing. Stopped. What happened? We are doing this thing now. So in Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. And when they, they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic, suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse. Watch the word perverse. Something has corrupted these people. Perverse. Not only faithless, perverse. Something is wrong in them. Perverse. You know, when you look at, oh, they say because of your faith. No, it's said you're perverse now. Something has corrupted you. Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long will I be with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and they came out of him and the child was cured that very hour. So what, what, what brought this perversion? Something was brewing among them for a while. And the thing grew among them and stopped that power they were given from work. Effectively stopped it. You know what it was? Strife, pride, who is bigger, who is more anointed. They were doing that. They were doing that. Continued to do that. And they had grudge against one another. The devil saw to it. Jesus said, perversion has come into your life. Mark 9.33. And he came to Capernaum. And being in the house, he asked them, what was it that you disputed among yourself by the way? They now came to the house. He said, all the way coming here, you people were talking about something. What was it? What was it that you disputed among yourself by the way? But they held their peace. They couldn't say it. They were ashamed. For by the way they had disputed among themselves, what were they disputing? Who should be what? The greatest. Pride had come. I holier than thou had come. Aversion had entered their life. Mark 10, 33. 
saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered. This is another time. This one not in the house. Shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, 34. And they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. And when James and John, the sons of David, came unto him, after saying these things, they were not listening. They were still after who would be greatest, who would take position. So, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came unto him, saying, Master, we would that you should do for us whatever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What will you that I should do for you? They said unto him, Sir, please, please, sir, grant unto us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other where? Your left hand. All this the Son of Man will do. They didn't hear about it. Then the thing becomes intense that their mother came. Their mother came herself because family got involved. Matthew 20, 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons. The woman now brought all the children, worshiping him more, <laughs> desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, what would that? She said unto him, grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand, the other on thy left, where? In thy kingdom. 22, but Jesus answered and said, you know not what you are talking about. Are you able to drink the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said unto him, we are not what? Able. But let's go back and now see Mark chapter 10 verse 41 and see what happened among them. And when the ten heard about all of this, they began to be much displeased with James and what? John, strife came in, bitterness came in, strife came in, bitterness came in, aversion came in. So now they were confronted with demons. Let's do like we used to do, Samson. But Samson didn't know that the hair has been what? Couldn't do anything. Couldn't do anything. That's why the, Bible, the, the Lord keeps telling us, take away perversion. It will stop you. First Corinthians 5.1. The Corinthian church was so devastated by this. They couldn't do anything. Look at First Corinthians. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among Gentiles that one should have his father's wife, and you are puffed up. You know why? Those are rich people. Even Corinth was a very rich city, and the thing came into the church. Rich people came into the church, and they felt they had a privileged position. They were puffed up. I have not rather mourned that he had done these things might be taken away from among them. And they know they were taking people to court in the church. They were fighting for who is greater and were dragging church members to court and say, if you talk while we're in the meeting, I'm going to deal with you. And they were doing that. First Corinthians 6 is, but brothers go to law with brother? <laughs> brother go to law with brother? And then the reason that caused this is they deviated from Paul's teaching. First Corinthians 11 verse 19. For there must be also heresies among you. You deviated from what I taught you, Paul was teaching them. He said, have you, not for, have you forgotten that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? How can you take your body to the, to the prostitute? They deviated from everything Paul taught them. And Paul told them there is heresy now among you. That they which are approved may be made manifest among you that this bunch is not approved. This will not be approved. Heresy has come. Jesus said perversion has come. And so they went to Holy Communion. I went with that privileged sense. So when they went there, some people, 
but they had more access to the Holy Communion than these other ones. So they would go and take and eat more and leave the remaining for these ones. And Paul said, you are, you are insulting the body of Christ. These ones you are looking at are also part of the body of Christ. You know what happened to them? You can find it out yourself. He devastated that church. You did for yourself. Some of you who come to church, and they, if they put cake for our brothers, you take everything, you don't know what you are taking. You have no idea what you are heading to. Read this portion very well. Do you know the first thing Jesus taught in prayer? To deal with strife. Because if you don't deal with strife, it will stop everything. That's the first thing he taught us. When Jesus was teaching about prayer, it is to deal with strife. Matthew chapter 5, 44. The first thing he taught us in prayer is to deal with strife. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that what? I'm not hearing you. Do good to them that what? Some people can't talk now. Okay, read it with me. One, two, go. But I say unto uh-huh. All right, say that one one more time. And then do what? And then do what again? And do what again? Pray for them, quit despisefully, use you, and that's the first thing you thought about prayer. Deal with that arrow in your heart. It will poison you. It will let the devil have access to your life. It will block you. It will frustrate your Christianity. Deal with these foxes. Foxes are not good animals. They are corny. Romans 12, 15. Celebrate with those who celebrate. Weep with those who grieve. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony. And be as mindful of one another's words as you are your own. Be mindful that others have value. You are not the only one. Don't live with a lofty mindset. What's a lofty mindset? I'm bigger than you, proud, more anointed, more power. It devastated the church in America. There was a time that healing anointing broke out in America. The power of God was everywhere. Men, then they began to compete who had a bigger tent, smaller tent, bigger ministry, everything broke to came to stop. The devil says that trap all the time, all the time. The answer is to humble yourself and make yourself of no reputation. That's why Jesus started. So he said, don't live with a lofty mindset, thinking you are too important to serve others, but be willing to do many tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. That's my that is, that's, 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 that's perversion spirit. Before you say, well, I say, I know it. Oh, I know it. If you know it, why are you coming to church? Stay home. Teach yourself. Never hold a grudge or try to get even. But plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. Can I hear amen? Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge. Believe that to God's righteous justice. For the scripture says, if you don't take justice, if, if you don't take justice in your hands, I will release justice for you. Say the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, eh? buy him lunch. That's American English. Buy him lunch. Win him over with your kindness. For your surprising generosity will awaken his conscience and God will reward you with favor. Can I hear amen? Proverbs eleven seventeen, The merciful kind, the merciful, kind and generous man benefits himself for he deeds his deeds return to bless him. His deeds return to bless him. But he who is cruel 
callous to the, to the wants of others brings on himself retribution. Ephesians 4.27. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Oh, yeah. I used to be so quick. Uh, me, thank God for my wife. Oh, I, I'm, I'm going to do Valentine for her, especially. <laughs> Have I not done, honey? I did. I did. Oh, my wife is special. I do. Let me tell you, she saw Pepe with me because of anger. The thing will come, I will throw us at her, and it will even sound in my ear like I'm correct. You know, pride will blind you. It's dangerous, I'm telling people. Pride is demonic. It's like, you know, I won't even let her say a word. I will come with my own. I will even quote scriptures. Come talk. She would. Then I will think I've won. Then my pride will come. I'm the head of this home. You know, I didn't know I was proud until God told me. I'm a very proud man. He said, I can't walk with you. I don't walk with proud people. Read my Bible. So I resist people who are proud every day of their life. He said, I'm going to take away everything you trust in. You are going to borrow money in your life. I said, hey. He said, yes, I'll make you borrow money. I'm going to destroy that pride. I don't walk with proud people. And he did. I cried. He said, better cry more. Because I will purge you. He said, purge yourself or I do it. Make a choice. I don't forget that day. It was, it was in Sabo. He said, purge yourself or I do it. Because I must use you. I saw Pepe. Man, I saw Pepe. And I became a hub. Repented with a... Because there's a level you sink. Your pride is finished now. The, 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 the wind has blown. They've seen the ash of the chicken. There's nothing there. I mean, there's a level you sink in life. You've been so insulted. I was so insulted everywhere. I entered the car. Somebody said, go, let God give you. Get out. I was a paria. I was... They woke me up. Praise the Lord. I realized that I'm nothing. When I learned that lesson, the Lord removed all of that. Everything left. It's so beautiful. A lot of people insult you. It's awesome. Let them do it. Embrace it. It teaches me one lesson. I am what? And I need to learn it every day. Lest my head blows up and I lose my soul. Pride will blind you. You won't believe it. I tell you you're wicked. You won't believe it. My sister used to call me from London. He said, sister. He said, sister. He said, sister. He said, she will go to heaven straight. That's, that's my wife. He said, he said, brother, I was there. He said, anything we do for her, do for her. Said, sister will go to heaven straight away. Because she never bothered you. She never talked back. Didn't even talk about. She, ah, I will pay your dowry again. <laughs> Another one. Anger gives foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Stop all the savers we do. You will never get blessed by stealing, by cheating. You will never walk. You are going to lose because you are sowing destruction. Look at this scripture. I'll close with this. James 5, 7, 16. Confess your faults one to another. Do that. People you've hurt, you have forgotten it. It might be affecting you now. Your cup is full. You might, it might be what you're suffering from now. You hurt them then. You broke them. You spoke to them. If you did all that, you quarreled and you won like I won. And God has been giving you long rope to repent and do those things right. You are not doing now to hit you. All you need to do might be to call them and say, I'm sorry. That's all it might be me to do. The Lord told me. He said, they think killing Christians is ignorance. 
if, they, if you pray for them, I will open their eyes and they see where they need to cost correct and things will begin to work. He says it's very simple. It's not too difficult. They will pray, let us confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be what? I'm done. Let's bow our heads to pray. That's what you do when you hear the word of God. It's not to clap. It's not to, it's to respect that word. It's to bow. It's to bow. It's to meditate on it. It's to honor it. It's to talk to God about it. It's not to be proud. It's to say, Lord, why does it affect me? Yeah, where? Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let him share the bread of life. Let him feed you. Surrender to him. Worship. 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 We are Lord. What are you saying to me? What are you saying to me?